The following program is an MLWRadio.com production. Tom Zink, Tom Zink, let me tell you why he's the best of all the guys. Tom Zink, Tom Zink, with his wonderful grease slapper once he's on your tail. He won't quit because of him, there's no such word as fail with Tom Zink, Tom Zink, WrestleMania Weekend's biggest party is coming to Bourbon Street. Don't miss an all-inclusive all-night party Friday, April 6th. Hosted by Kevin Nash and over 20 other wrestling stars. Enjoy unlimited drinks all night long at the Bourbon Cowboy on Bourbon Street. Throw beads from the balcony. Drink and party with your favorite wrestling stars. Hurry. Limited quantities available. Purchase tickets now at PWRshow.com. That's PWRshow.com. Welcome to Welcome to WHW One Day. Tony Schiavone and Conrad Thompson talking about the great years of World Championship Wrestling, the NWA, and Jim Crockett Promotions, and talking about the great years of World Championship Wrestling, the NWA, and Jim Crockett Promotions. And now let's go to the ring. And here's your co-host. Hey, hey. It's Conrad Thompson. Hey, hey, it's Conrad Thompson, and you're listening to What Happened When? Monday, right here on the MLW Radio Network, in the man of the hour, too sweet to be sour, Mr. Tony Schiavone. What's going on, Tony? How are you? Hey, Conrad, good talk to you. Hello, slapdicks all around the world, and uh, thanks for uh, tuning in to What Happened When? Once again, uh, you know, Conrad, I want to say that our downloads continue to grow each week, uh, and I'd like to thank you for that, and also, obviously, like to thank everyone who joins us on a weekly basis. I am, as you might imagine, amazed at myself. Uh, not you, because, you know, you're the best at what you do, but amazed at myself that we can continue to entertain the fans each and every week. Thank you for that, by the way, people are excited to have you back in wrestling and, uh, our gift to you last week, we posted on Facebook. If you haven't seen this video, I teased it last week. We put together something I'm pretty proud of. It's over at facebook.com forward slash WHW Monday. And it was our 60th birthday present to you, Tony. what do you think of the video, man? I was blown away by it. Uh, thank you. Thanks to you, uh, to Chris McDonald. Uh, who in the world was able to record the barbarian? Let great, me ask that great friend of the show, Mr. John Collins. Uh, he, he managed to hook it up. I, I knew he had told me once upon a time that he was pretty friendly with Barb. And I said, Hey, hypothetically, and did one of my masterful Alabama sales pitches and, uh, he did it. And we also had some really awesome messages come our way from both Medusa, which the dream sequence at the end really closed it for me. And wow, is Terry Runnell still a smoke show in 2017 or what? Wow. Yeah, she's smoking. She really is. Uh, I had a birthday dinner with my family and my daughter said, dad, that video was, that video was incredible. Mom, did you see it? Uh, and Lois went, no, I went bullshit. You didn't see it. She said, what do you mean? I said, you said you liked it on Facebook. That's your like on there. So she did see it, but she tried to kayfabe it. You see? 
And uh, Laurie said, those two girls, good looking girls. Do you know them? I said, yeah, they're friends of mine. She said, oh, okay. So it was like, wow, mom, did you see this? Yeah. Well, that's pretty awesome, man. Shout out to Chris McDonald. I think it's one of the best videos ever produced for a birthday. And certainly in wrestling, my goodness, we had multiple people comment on the Starcade video earlier this year. They thought that maybe that was something the WWE had put together. No, that too was Chris McDonald. Uh, shout out to him, man. He's on Twitter at KDog96, and uh, he's your hookup. If you need something professional thrown together, get a quote. That dude is the dude. Uh, and we're excited to uh, catch up with you this week, Tony, because we're doing something that we encouraged everybody to vote for, and they listened. Clash of the Champions 29, man. Uh, WCW in 1994 is what we're going to be talking about, but we want to go ahead and give you a special announcement for what's coming next. Next week, we're going to cover the 20 year anniversary of world war three, 1997. It's a fairly interesting time in the business. Of course, we're one month prior to the biggest starcade of them all. And, uh, wow, what a show that would prove to be. So world war three, 1997, set your calendars for that. And as a reminder, well, I guess I'll give you a spoiler and tell you who won. But I will tell you maybe what some of the undercard look like. Of course, this is at the Palace of Auburn Hills. You'll see the faces of Fear, Glacier, and Ernest Miller. Perry Saturn is taking on Disco Inferno. Yuji Nagata is taking on Ultimo Dragon. The Steiner Brothers are in there with the Blue Bloods. We've got Raven taking on Scotty Riggs. Steve McMichael is working with Alex Wright. Eddie Guerrero is back in there again with Rey Mysterio Jr. We've got Kurt working with Ric Flair. And then, of course, the 60-man World War III and this is for a world title match. So tune in next week, and we're going to cover World War III 1997. But the week after that, that's when things get kind of special. Wouldn't you agree? I think it's very special because, as we know, uh, it is uh, the weekend coming up after that is uh, one of the biggest weekends in wrestling. Years ago, it was the big weekend in wrestling, and we're going to do a little celebration of that. Starcade 2017 is coming to you that weekend. But we all know Starcade is supposed to be a Thanksgiving night tradition. And that's what we're going to do with you on Thanksgiving. And this is going to be fun, guys. We're going to cover Starcade 1987 at Chi-Town Heat. It went down on November 26th, but you'll be able to hear it on November 23rd. That's right. Thanksgiving. Uh, we'll have matches including Eddie Gilbert, Larry Zabisco, and Rick Steiner with Baby Doll taking on Jimmy Garvin, Michael Hayes, and Sting with Precious. We'll also have Dr. Death working with Barry Windham. The Rock and Roll Express taking on the Midnight Express. We've got Nikita Koloff working with Terry Taylor. Arn Anderson and Tully Blanchard are taking on the Road Warriors. We've also got Dusty Rhodes in action with Lex Luger. And inside a steel cage in your main event, it's the Nature Boy Ric Flair with James J. Dillon taking on the champion, Ronnie Garvin. What are your memories, real quick? What might we talk about if we cover Starcade 87? My memory, I have to center on, Conrad, uh, the matches that Flair and Ronnie Garvin had, uh, not only that night, but entire that entire year, Flair dropped the strap, strap to him. If we'll recall in Detroit earlier in the year, and this was Flair's chance to get the strap back, of course, which he did. I thought Flair and Garvin had one of the best runs Flair's ever had. We talk so much about great runs that Ric Flair had in his career. Ricky Steamboat comes to mind, obviously, uh, because of all the hype. Hulk Hogan comes to mind. But to me, some of the matches against Ronnie Garvin were sensational. They were high impact, uh, not pulling any punches type matches. Uh, so I'm looking forward to reliving that match again. 
So as a reminder, this is the first time ever that Jim Crockett would be on pay-per-view that you could reach at home. And uh, now that they're in the pay-per-view game, Vince McMahon decides to create the Survivor Series. So Crockett, after this power play, has to move the start time up, and we're going to do that for you as well. You'll be able to catch this show, Starcade 87, Thanksgiving night, your Thanksgiving tradition at 5 o'clock Eastern time. So enjoy your turkey day with your family. And then throw on the WWE Network, press mute for Starcade 87, and let Tony and I take you back to the good old days. And of course, back then, if you ordered early, the show was only $14.95. But how much will our broadcast be this Thanksgiving, Tony? It'll be a big zero, goose egg, turkey egg, if you will, on the Thanksgiving. And, you know, when I think about Starcade 87, you mentioned about uh, Jim Crockett Promotions having to push Starcade that year earlier. I think about the well-documented sabotage of Starcade that Dave Meltzer wrote about. Uh, and this, uh, this was one of the big shots in the wrestling war and may have been the big shot that crippled Jim Crockett promotions. Lots Beginning to talk to. about on this show, and I'm looking forward yeah. to covering it with you. Uh, so spend Thanksgiving afternoon with Tony and I, uh, and if you listen to the other show, uh, we're going to be doing Survivor Series that night. So those shows will air at the exact time they did 30 years ago. So Starcade 87, tune in, set your calendars, spend the holiday with us. Tony, I'm ready to get fired down on Clash of the Champions 29. Are you ready? Can't wait, Conrad. Uh, and going back and watching it earlier in the week, I realized, hell, it's another show in Jacksonville. Do we, do we work anywhere else? <laughs> How many shows are we going to call from Jacksonville? It feels like the home away from home for WCW. And as a reminder, clash of the champions, 29 is what won the poll. That's what we're going to cover. We encourage you to pull it up on the WWE network. In just a moment, we're going to tell you to press play. You're going to be able to watch along with us. Tony and I will have it muted on our end and you should do the same on your end. And, uh, we'll catch you up on all the news. And of course, call the silly action that's going on. And we're ready to do that right now on account of three, Tony, are you ready? Hey, hey, Conrad. Before we get started, we have a brand new sponsor we want to tell the folks at home about. And you guys at home want to hear this because WrestleMania is coming to New Orleans in 2018. And WrestleMania weekend's biggest party is coming to Bourbon Street on Friday, April 6th. Don't miss an all-inclusive, all-night party hosted by Kevin Nash and over 20 other wrestling stars. Enjoy unlimited drinks all night long at the Bourbon Cowboy on Bourbon Street. Through Black Friday, you can purchase tickets for 20% off at pwrshow.com. This is going to be a great time and is the one and only wrestling event taking place on Bourbon Street, WrestleMania weekend. You can even go VIP and get access to the balcony where you can throw beads and also get a private meet and greet with Diesel himself, Big Daddy Cool, the legend, Kevin Nash. If you buy your tickets this week to the event that's going to complete your WrestleMania weekend, Use What Happened When Monday's special code SLAPDICK, that's S-L-A-P-D-I-C-K, all caps, to get an additional 5% off. This event will sell out, and it has the last six years. So get your tickets now and party with Kevin Nash and others, and you never know who will show up. Comedian Fluffy has been in the last three. Tickets, of course, are limited. So hurry and get yours today for a WrestleMania weekend party on Bourbon Street with Kevin Nash and over 20 other wrestling stars. Purchase tickets now at pwrshow.com. That's P-W-R-S-H-O-W dot com. You'll have plenty of time to get there after the Hall of Fame. And the bar doesn't close. 
so you know the party can go on all night. Get your tickets today at PWRShow.com. That's PWRShow.com for 20% off before Black Friday and an extra 5% by using our temporary code SLAPDICK, all caps, for the WrestleMania weekend party of the year. Get tickets at PWRShow.com. Now let's get the show started, guys. Ready to go. All right, one, two, three, and we're off. Let's go. We're opening up uh, the Dungeon the of, of Avalanche. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. What a weird time yeah. in WCW, right? It was a weird time in WCW, and it was pretty apparent here that by this angle that uh, Hulk Hogan was really kind of calling the shots here, don't you think? Uh, yeah. I mean, there's no doubt about it. This was definitely the Hulk Hogan show at this point. And I guess rightfully so. I mean, he had made a big difference to business, but I've got all kinds of notes that we can break down here, but I guess we should watch some of this package here and see that they're really trying to relive the earthquake Hulk Hogan angle that did pretty good business for the world wrestling federation back in 1990, but four years later, here we go. And there's Dave Sullivan. Uh, that's not a name I expected us to be talking about here on the show, but here we are. Evad is what we call him. Evad Sullivan and the clash of the champions is coming to you from Jacksonville, Florida and the war Memorial Coliseum. Yes. Another $10,000 night of pyro Conrad. And let's go to a very clean shaven Tony Schiavone along with his good friend, Bobby, the brain Heenan. As soon as we get the crowd shot, one thing I noticed about this show and watching the show early was genuine, genuine crowd response, exciting crowd response not the campy crowd response you get now on a WWE show. It's worth mentioning back here that th this is during a, a hell of a tropical storm, or maybe even a hurricane was brewing, right? Tropical storm. Gordon was brewing, uh, back then. And, uh, that's, uh, one of the things that Heenan talked about here in the open and earthquake talked about another natural disaster like me, uh, being in the Florida area. So yeah, it was, but it was still a very good crowd. And you'll see as we go along here, how pumped the crowd was for a lot of these matches. I don't know what this, uh, I don't know if you have the thumbs up or the thumbs down on the show in front of you or not, but it's, it wasn't a bad show. Uh, it got 7.4% thumbs up, 87.4% thumbs down, 5.3% thumbs in the middle. There's 4,000 fans there. They had to scoot them all to one side of the building. Only 3,200 of those paid. The gate was $38,000, but a lot of this was due to the weather. And some of it was, you know, WCW roll tide. Yeah. WCW. And not only that, the thumbs down are because of Hogan's in the main event, but now you take a look at our graphics, pretty wonderful against star Z stripes and the honky tonk man is going to make an appearance. And there you go. Johnny B bads on our card again. Also on the card tonight, we are going to give you the angle before it happens on this one. Harlem Heat against the Nasty Boys and a match that really stole the show. Once we get into it, you'll find out why. Big Van Vader against the natural Dustin Rhodes. Hell, shitty match coming up. Hacksaw Jim Duggan against stunning Steve Austin. That's all in the Clash of the Champions. Then, of course, we got the big main event. All right, but before we go anywhere, Conrad, it's time to go to Mean Gene Orkland. Thank you very much, Tony Schiavone. Don't forget, as we go along here, back to my left is the Wrestling Hotline, 1-900-909-9900. It's only now $24 a minute. Kids, get your parents' permission. And I've got some inside information that will absolutely 
grow hair on your testicles. Right now, speaking of testicles, let's go in the back, and there's Chris Cruz, Mike Tanay, and there's the butcher pretending to do an interview, and Mike Tanay pretending that he's listening. I don't know what Chris Cruz has around his neck, but it certainly looks like something that was stolen from an, I don't know, a Chippewa dancer. Nevertheless, let's go to Mean Gene Orkelin and my guest at this time, the purveyor, if you will, of the Jump Rope Academy at WCW. <laughs> Ladies and gentlemen, along with the baddest ass in the world, Carol Robert Parker. Tony, what tickles me about watching Ming in this presentation, especially with who he's with, is he's dressed like Secret Service. But what's he protecting? Is this like just secret <laughs> hog protection? I mean, what are we doing here? I don't know. He's you know he's dressed he, like Jathan Statham in the in the transporter. He's just transporting hog meat. <laughs> I've got a contract right here, Mean Gene, that says after this match, Tony Schiavone is going to grab one end of the jump rope, and Tom Zink is going to see how many jumps he can jump over before the jump rope hardens up. So that's what we got in this contract here. Now, this contract is signed by Eric Bischoff, as you know right now, is running this company, so I can do anything I want to with my hog. Now, hang on a second. <laughs> Let me say that Tony Schiavone is a good jump rope holder, I've been told, and Tom Zink can really hop up and down on the jump. Wait a minute, Colonel Parker. You're trying to tell me. Yes, I'm trying to tell you that we got Tony Schiavone holding one end of the jump rope and Tom Zink, one of the prettiest men ever in WCW, going to jump up and down, going to jump up and down on that jump rope. Oh yes, God. he is. I want to tell you that we're going to see if he can do 30 to 40 jumps. 30 to 40 jumps. All right, Colonel Robert Parker, is that a jump rope in your pocket? Or are you just glad to see me? Thank you very much. It's time to go to the ring. And here is Gary Michael Capetta. Uh, it sounded, I think, something like that. I'm not sure. You know what's great, Tony, is he actually comes out and stumbles over the names of who the combatants might be. Yeah, in stars this tag match. Right. And he also uh, says that this contract is the biggest contract in the history of professional wrestling because whoever wins these tag belts tonight has to defend them on WCW Saturday night against Bunkhouse Buck and Arn Anderson. So wow. who, who How about knew that? that that is the biggest contract of all? If it's stars yeah. and stripes in there with Arn Anderson and bunkhouse book, I mean, that's the biggest match in, in wrestling history, right? Well, he was stealing shit from me at that time. And I didn't even know it. Uh, although I'd like to say here that, uh, and after watching this, uh, boy, Marcus Alexander Bagwell is going to do some great things in this one. You think we messed up with him? You know, that's hard to say. Um, I feel like in the end, he probably messed himself up. I mean, he certainly had an upside, but I yeah. think most people would agree that his attitude and some of the backstage shenanigans that we've heard about probably hurt him, but I wasn't there. What say you? Yeah, you're right. They did. A lot of those did. But uh, again, without trying to come across as, uh, as loving Marcus Bagwell, he was good looking young man. He could do a lot of things. Uh, it's just, it's just a shame. Uh, and uh, speaking of good looking Paul Roma. And Mr. Wonderful Paul Orndorff, one of the great performers ever. I've, you know, I've always Paul, wanted to talk to you about Paul Roma for real, because I've always felt like Paul Roma gets a little bit of a bad rap. And, and I wonder if Paul Roma was never in the horseman, would people hate him as much as they do? It feels like a lot of the hate he gets is really centered around being a horseman. And people thought he quote unquote, didn't deserve it. Yeah, that was probably a rush job to put him in there. Uh, I thought Paul Roma, I remember Paul Roma from the WWE being a very good performer. And we're going to see some good things in this match that he does. 
He's got a smile on his face. You know why he's got a smile on his face right there? Because he knows they're going over. <laughs> no, they're not going over, are they're, they? They're not going over, but we're giving spoilers left and right now. Yeah, okay. I feel like we should mention here that Paul Orndorff uh, is working here with a blown-out knee, and he didn't work house shows leading up to this. He was instead replaced by a little performer known as Jean-Paul Levesque. Um, wow. he, he went on to have a little decent career for himself, didn't he? Yeah, probably a better career than all those guys in the ring combined. Uh, he's uh, expected to work the clash here, but then have knee surgery and be out for a while. He wound up not actually having the surgery right then because that's just not what Orndorff did back then. Yeah, that's old school stuff. That's uh, that's back in the day where if you didn't perform, you wouldn't get paid. So you learned to work around injuries. Uh, and so Paul Orndorff was very old school about that. All right, the Patriot and Marcus Bagwell. Stars and Stripes. This is a match versus or a belt versus mask match. And, of course, if Stars and Stripes loses, Del Wilkes have to take the mask off. And we'll all find out as Dell Wilkes, but the, the, the fan reaction was very good this night. You know, what's amazing and, is I, I knew we were going to poke fun at stars and stripes, but this, this redneck crowd here in Jacksonville, they're really into it. Oh yeah. Listen, you can't get more, any more redneck than North Florida. You can't. Yeah. Cause it's not even like, like there's like a Miami and then there's like a Tampa. Right. And then there's, yeah. Then there's like the Jacksonville area. Right. Right. Uh, James Gregory, the comedian once said that Florida is the opposite of the South. The more North you go, the more redneck you get. You know what? That is a great analogy. I like that. And by the way, yeah. I'm, I'm really mostly trolling. Uh, I've got half a dozen very good friends that live in Jacksonville and they listen every week. So this is my attempt to bury them. I actually like Jacksonville and would live there, but, uh, for the purposes of my story, I mean, it's just a bunch of rednecks and I live in Alabama, so I know a thing or two <laughs> about that. Absolutely. And Paul Orndorff doing a great job of getting on one fan here. Getting the fan up. This uh, this excites me. Look at this guy. Take a look at those teeth, man. That's North Florida right there. Is what that is. Woo. And I like ripping on North Florida here too. Also, we were talking about during the course of this to go back in time for you uh, fans that live in Jacksonville. This was during the time when the old Gator Bowl was being restored, renovated for the Jacksonville Jaguars. Playing in the NFL. So that's the timeline we're on right here. So you see how time has gone. It's an interesting time in WCW because if you were reading the dirt sheets, you already knew who worked this because you had already taped Saturday night. So this match with Arn Anderson and bunkhouse buck, where they got their title shot had already happened, but the Patriot and Bagwell hadn't won the belts yet. Oh yeah. That was the old, that was the old thing. And that was the problems that we had taping things ahead. Of course, the commentary will be put in later, but now we see Paul Nordart and, um, Paul Roma going at it. And you know what? Not a bad tag team, uh, a tag team that a good heel tag team of being world tag team champions here. I thought, and Roma's going to do some spectacular stuff here. I've stuff always that, thought uh, Roma was an underrated tag guy. I liked him with Hercules Hernandez as power and glory. I like him here with Paul Orndorff. I think he's a fine tag wrestler, but people just dump on him because of the horseman deal. Yeah, they do. And that, that's unfortunate. We're seeing now that's some great agility right there. Once again, great crossbody, great teamwork, really, uh, by both these men. And Bagwell comes with a great clothesline. Look at that. Bagwell doing some, look at that drop kick. That is some, that's some tremendous, tremendous tag team work. And the fans are buying every bit of it. 
Yeah, they're 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 popping for it big. Yeah. And the reason they're pumping for it big is because the heels are doing a great job of being heels. If your heels are great heels, back in the day, fans really get behind the baby faces. And that's exactly what's going on here. It's worth mentioning that the Bruise Brothers um, actually walked out on WCW because they refused to put over Stars and Stripes on a Saturday night taping. What's your favorite Bruise Brothers match? Probably the one where they walked out. Uh, never to be heard from again, right? Or did they ever surface? Oh yeah, they popped back up again. You know, it's they uh, did. Yeah, they were in the WWF, and I think they were back with you guys. I know they. I guess they owned TNA for a, a hiccup or a weekend or so. Okay. <laughs> All right. All right. Well, so I didn't even remember the Bruise Brothers, if you'll recall from an earlier episode. We shouldn't mention that uh, your partner here, Bobby Heenan, is putting over Dale Wilkes pretty big, saying that he served in the Gulf War, and the reason he can't show his face is because he has radiation scars. <laughs> Heenan was actually very good in this show. He was very, very good. And, of course, this was kind of early Bobby Heenan, too before WCW wore him down, if you know what I mean. We should mention that this goes down on November 16th, 1994. Uh, and I found it kind of interesting that this was a Wednesday. Do you remember why this was a Wednesday? Because Clash wasn't always on a Wednesday. Well, no, Clash was was on whenever TBS needed it to be on. That was the reason. So we were at the mercy of Turner Broadcasting, what they wanted in their schedule or what they needed. I guess we should, we should mention here, it's as good a time as any, that we're about three weeks past Halloween Havoc 94. Industry experts were predicting a one and a half buy rate, and WCW internally was hoping for a 2.0, and they pulled out all the stops with Flair and Hogan, which set records the prior July at Bash at the Beach. But this right. time, it's in a cage with Mr. T invited, and Ric Flair has to retire if he loses. And Brutus the fucking Barber Beefcake is going to turn on Hogan. It's a shit show of massive proportions. Uh, and then the thing only does a 0.95 buy rate, which is about 220,000 buys. So WCW grosses 2.45 million of which they have to give 600,000 to Hulk Hogan. So they try to pop a number fail. And now one of their top stars has been sacrificed and is off the roster for now because officially Ric Flair is retired. Tony, what the hell's going on? H how does that happen? It feels like it clears out the top of your card. And this is the reason Hogan has to work silly shit. Well, I, I, how it happens is that we're just not as hot as we think we should be right now or can be right now. And that's why Hulk Hogan was offered so much, uh, you know, Hogan was offered a lot of money and at the beginning, you know, uh, the numbers didn't translate. Look at, look at the power of, of Roma here. This is, this is some pretty raw power. I mean, you know, guys help each other up when they do hip tosses or, or things like that. But when you have to deadlift a guy many times, yeah. A big boy too. That's not a little guy. Yeah, absolutely. Dell Wilkes, big guy. And now the heels again, doing a good job of being heels. And Bagwell comes in and makes the save. Haven't seen, uh, Roma. I haven't seen Orndorff in quite a while. Uh, I heard Paul is, has lost a, a tremendous amount of weight. Uh, I don't know if you've seen him on the, on the circuit or not signing autographs or anything, but look at this right hand. These two teams work very well together. Who do you reckon uh, would, would have been a bigger favorite with, um, Klondike bill, Paul Roma or buff Bagwell? Oh, buff Bagwell. 
young, viral. <laughs> viral. <laughs> oh my gosh. Uh, just go, going back to the attack once again is Muff Bagwell. Uh, yeah, and you know, they all the, all these guys knew Klondike very well. Everybody knew him. He was quite the uh, quite the star. Look at this. Right there, tell Dale Wooks trying to go over, hit the referee, knock the cameraman's camera over, and they spill on the outside. And Orndorf, boy, Orndorf was a tremendous performer. Oh, and he's laying them in there, two guys. But you got to, right? I think you really got to. I think Orndorf is like the uh, the unsung hero of WrestleMania. You know, the original WrestleMania. I think Piper gets all the shine, and Orndorf doesn't get enough credit. Yeah, I agree. Uh, Paul Orndorff was also a trainer at the power plant. So he helped develop a lot of the, uh, a lot of the younger, younger wrestlers. And I'm sure Goldberg was involved in that as well. One of your favorites, I know. So let's talk a little bit about WCW's business, because even though they had this debacle of a pay-per-view, it's still doing very well, especially compared to the prior year. The average attendance in October of 93 was 600. The average attendance in October of 94 is 2,400. The average gate back in October of 93 was 5,280. That's right. $5,280 here a year later, it's 32,000 bucks. The October 93 Halloween havoc pay-per-view only had 3000 tickets paid for a $30,000 gate. And they made 1.17 off of a 0.5 buy rate. Of course, Halloween havoc here this year. At 8595 paid for a $189,000 gate and a 0.97 buy rate for $2.5 So all the metrics are way up except for television. Television is roughly flat. It's still the same. It went from a 2.0 to a 2.1. How's that possible, Tony, where ratings kind of stay the same, but all the money goes up? <laughs> I don't have an answer for that, but I think, you know, we, you were talking about earlier about the buy rate for Halloween Havoc not being what we had wanted. But if you take a look, business is on the upswing. So maybe the signing of Hogan, even though we had to pay a lot for it, was worth the money. And at least that maybe that's what Eric is looking at the numbers right now and thinking that. But as far as TV ratings are concerned, I, I can't answer that. I, I I don't know why they are. Well, of course, we're, we're prior to the Monday Night Wars here. Nitro doesn't even sure exist yet. So it's not as big of a deal. We should mention Hogan's last day under contract is going to be December 28th, 1994. So they have a pay-per-view plan, at least through Starcade. But in the meantime, Meltzer suggesting that Hogan is effectively negotiating for full control of the company because he wants creative control for not only him, but John Tenta and Leslie, Jim Duggan and the honky tonk man. Uh, so Hogan actually joins the booking committee with Ric Flair, Jimmy Hart, Eric Bischoff, Kevin Sullivan, and Mike Graham. Uh, and at this point it feels like WCW has bet really big on Hogan. So they've got to try to sign him because after they've spent all this time, effort and energy promoting him to the mainstream, if he just leaves and goes back to the WWF, it really deflates the company. Does it not Tony? Oh yeah. It, it deflates everything we're working for. And, and, and I remember going to Hogan's house in Tampa and sitting down with him and, and Eric Bischoff and, and, uh, Kevin Sullivan. And, uh, I believe Jimmy Hart was there and Mike Graham was there for a time. Uh, and, and talking things over. And I always thought Hogan was pretty, uh, willing to do. There was the, the, the thought that he was just protecting his friends and that's all he was doing. But I never did never look at this great teamwork here. Never did 
And here's a, a, a kind of a innovative finish here. And we're going to show it on replay. Paul Orndorff thinks he's won, but the hand of stars and stripes are raised. And it's because Bagwell gets his shoulder up before the three count. And Orndorff has his shoulders down. So, uh, you know, we had a lot of shit booking going on back then. I thought this was a pretty creative, innovative finish. Who came up with it? I don't know, but I thought it was pretty good. And the fans got into it as well. Tim Whitehead of Johnson city, Tennessee did the report for the observer this week. He says they went nine minutes and 20 seconds. He called it a solid opener with good heat and he gave it two and a quarter stars. Wow. Two and a quarter stars. I would give it nine quarter stars, Tim. Uh, and, uh, and nine quarter stars comes out to two and a quarter stars. Okay. Yeah, you know, so here, here's, here's the finish. Uh, here's the one, two, and then Bagwell's shoulder comes up and Paul's shoulder stays down. Thought it was a good finish. Very good finish. Anyway, back to the story. I thought Hulk Hogan did a good job of listening to everybody in the one time that I was there, a couple of times that I was there and agreeing with things and being, to, being, being able to work with the committee. Um, uh, and I thought it was a little bit more. Oh, boy. <laughs> when we come back, the world television title, the Honky Tonk Man against Johnny B. Bad. But right now, brother, it's time for the Hulk Hogan hotline. That's right. The biggest pythons in the world and the biggest thermos in the world. <laughs> it's one nine 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 eight seven seven. 877 go fuck yourself. That's right. I'm taking all the money for the big pythons. That's right, brother. one 909 hulk That. Phone number is no longer active. A dollar forty nine per minute. Who called this shit? Did you call the Hulk Hogan hotline? Fuck no. Who did? I mean, you that's sure. A, what's great is it's the worst pitch ever. I encourage people, even though you muted us, you got to go back and see that's on its own. He says something like, "I have eight incredible options, including <laughs> including uh, Hulk trivia and one of my incredible messages." It's like, what the fuck are we doing here? I mean, <laughs> we're trying to milk you for every cent you got is this, what we're trying to do. This honky tonk man music is a, is a direct ripoff of course, of what he did with the WWF and, um, well, it's a Jimmy Hart, uh, production. Is sure. What it is. Sure. Absolutely. And, and he's, he's got the gimmick with him, which of course he was able to prove he used before in Canada before he came down, uh, to work with Vince and the honky tonk man, obviously, you know, he's a little past his prime here, but when he was white hot, I mean, he, he had like super, super heat in the eighties in the WWF. Did he not? Tremendous gimmick. Absolutely tremendous gimmick. I loved him. I remember, and I know I've probably mentioned this story before. Uh, I was, uh, editing Coliseum videos back in the eighties for, or in 89 for Vince McMahon. And I had this girl who was our production assistant and she hated the honky tonk man. And she hated the honky tonk man because he was so good at getting heat. I said, then he's doing his job. If you hate him, uh, I, I, I loved everything about him I, and I love the gimmick. I really did. And Elvis impersonator, uh, Wayne was a very good worker as well. How was he to deal with, you know, we wrestling fans who have watched all the shoot interviews and such, he comes off with a really sharp wit and a sharp tongue. And it was like, he didn't put up with a lot of shit. No, he didn't put up with any shit at all. I need you very to describe outspoken this. guy. I need you to call this. <laughs> You need me to call this sprinklers are coming out. Sprinklers, sparklers, <laughs> sparklers coming out of his hands. Sprinklers coming out of the head of his dick. And yeah, I'm a bad man. 
Here I come once again. Johnny be bad. I'm going to talk to the camera. Ooh, what's that over there? Maybe I can fuck her. Ooh, look over there. Maybe I can fuck her. Yeah, absolutely. Johnny be bad in the honky tonk man. Elvis against little Richard. Ooh, Lordy. What t- hypothetically, what was the difference in ring rats here between honky tonk man and Johnny be bad? The difference in ring rats. Well, probably Johnny be bad. Well, I wouldn't think Johnny be bad back at that time needed any ring rats. Would you? I mean, I would hope not. <laughs> I would hope not too. And the ring rats that the honky tonk man would get would be back from the girls from, uh, 1984. I was going to say if, if honky had a hot ring rat, it's just because, uh, there was a heat wave in town, <laughs> but they're going, to, there is a, especially a girl down in the front row or right here. See her jumping up and down with the, uh, oh, she's fired up. She's ready for yeah, it. She is into this Johnny B. Bad she, stuff. She's ready for the cannon blaster. Oh, but yes, sir. What would you call, what'd you call, what'd you call the bad stick here? Yeah. Uh-huh. What was the nickname for the, the blaster? It was the, uh, bad blaster. The boys didn't have a nickname for it. <laughs> uh, no, not that I know of. Oh Lordy. We loving this. And uh, he may have put some dollar bills in there. Yeah, There's too. cash That's in there. A- and this lady can't wait to show you. Okay. How so, about that? Look, long before, uh, TNA was paying fans to sit in the crowd. You guys were look at there. <laughs> and we just threw money at you. Yeah. The money we didn't throw at you. We certainly did burn. Oh boy. All right. So the honky tonk man and Johnny be bad for the television title. I'd like to uh, remind everybody that Steve Austin used to hold that title. And so did Arn Anderson and Tully Blanchard, Dusty mm-hmm. Rhodes. And that's you shitting on Mark Merrill there, right? No, I was just pointing out the lineage okay. of the title. Okay. Why would you say oh, that? Oh, okay. Okay. All right. Got you. All right. So the lineage is now, uh, Johnny B bad facing the greatest of all time. And, uh, again, honky talk, man, just some, you know, if nothing else, those sideburns gets him heat. Don't they? I mean, it's like, what the fuck? I think you could wear that haircut in 2017 and get heat. You know, I, I actually have been told that I look pretty good in just about any hairstyle. People lie to uh, you, Tony. People lie to you. <laughs> Just because they want to be my friend, I guess. But but the honky tonk man was such a great heel, and he looked the part. I mean, uh, jet black hair, long sideburns, the bouffant poof up on top, and of course he knew how to work the crowd. Look at this, looking around, talking to the crowd. A hold on Johnny B. Bad has got has that white trash guy standing up in the front row there again. Sit down. Sit down. He's, there you go. Thank you. What do you, what do you think he does for a living? This guy shouting in the front row. Well, I would say he runs a doo-doo truck, but I don't want to get uh, my, our friends mad at us that run the doo-doo truck. Yeah. Doo-doo trucking.com. Check out our boy, Jeff Chewett. He'll, uh, he'll be over yeah. to uh, clean your pipes for you. You're right. Sorry, Jeff. This guy may work for you in your Jacksonville office. I feel like we should mention here, since we're talking about Florida, that just a couple of weeks prior to this. On October 28th, you guys ran a show in Tampa, which was kind of a big deal. It was Dusty Rhodes tagging with Dustin Rhodes. That's right. Dusty is back in the ring and he's back because this is Terry Funk's last show with the promotion. So the main event is Dusty and Dustin on one side, Terry Funk and Arn Anderson on the other. The undercard has Kevin Sullivan, Jim Duggan, Steve Austin, Johnny B. Bad, Honky Tonk Man, Paul Orndorff, Paul Roma, Vader, the Nasty Boys. And this is Dusty and Funk returning to Tampa. You want to guess what you drew? 
Where do we run? Tampa. I know we ran Tampa, but what building do we run? Was it the Bayfront Center in St. Pete? I don't know. Okay. Uh, what do we draw? I don't know. 600 people. Oh, my God. Are you serious? Yes. A card with Steve Austin, Terry Funk, Dusty Rhodes, Vader, all that, and more. 600. Well, it, it seemed like a pretty well-booked card. We must uh, oh, oh, I, I got it. It rained that day. Right. Yeah, they opened the new gas station. The old new gas station rained that day. Promoter didn't do his job. Tickets didn't get sold on time. We didn't have a good TV clearance. I'm trying to think of all the other <laughs> excuses that we used to come up with back then. Hey, I wanted to pick your brain about this because a couple of weeks prior to this, Jim Crockett actually runs his first TV taping. He's wanting to start back up now that his non-compete has expired. And he selected the Dallas Sportatorium. He ran his first show on October 29th. Uh, but then on November 5th, he starts his first TV taping. When you heard about this, were you excited about it? What was the expectation? What were people in the company saying about Crockett maybe starting up something? It was pretty much hush-hush. I We didn't hear that much about it. And I, uh, again, I didn't think that, like I do today, that any startup company could really, you know, uh, go off and get off the ground and, and, and make a go of it. So there, there was really not much talk about it in the front office. There was a plan to be syndicated in 10 markets and run a few nights a week circuit throughout Texas and Louisiana. They had shots in Shreveport and such. They had talent like junkyard dog, Tully Blanchard, Skandar Akbar, Rod Price, Black Bart, Michael Hayes, and Chris Adams signed. Of course, it never really shook out. I'm curious, yeah. given your long-term relationship with the Crockett family, did they ever reach out and have any sort of contact with you about doing anything with them? No, they did not. And of course, let me say this, Conrad, there's always a plan. Everybody's got a plan. Say, well, we plan to do this and we plan to do that. We plan to do 10 markets. We plan to have all the plan to have all these TV clearances, but it never happens. But, but no, no, they did not reach out to me at all. I guess maybe they were, they didn't want me out my ass either. Right. Well, while we're working here, we should mention, cause we've covered this in long form in the archives, but right before this show, not too terribly long before it airs, Randy Savage walks out on the WWF and he's negotiating with WCW at this point. Is there some sort of hope that he's going to be able to help work with Hogan and get this thing to the next level or. When you first hear that he's walked out and, and he's negotiating with WCW, is that something that the office is excited about, but maybe not the boys or how was it received by both sides? Well, it was, I can't speak for the boys at all. And, and I know Hulk Hogan had a lot of heat. Uh, and I think that's very well documented. Uh, but I can just speak for the front office production wise. And for myself, we were pretty excited about the potential of Randy Savage being a member of WCW. You know, I think we need to uh, say something about this match. We're talking a lot about the business. Uh, not a bad match here. Uh, the fans are into it. And again, it's because got a good heel. Uh, and uh, as you can see, pretty good reaction from a, just a high knee that time from Johnny B. Bad. Oh, a fucking ref bump. And you know what they say in the sheets about a ref bump, do, don't you? Screw job finish coming up. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, they, they, in the sheets, they always went clean finishes. Oh, 
And that's the disqualification, right? You mean we can't get a clean finish? What the fuck is wrong with us? Do they put baby powder in that guitar, do you think? No, I don't think so. I think that's just dried balsa wood is what that is. Did you say dried balsack wood? <laughs> balsa. Um, B-A-L, balsa, B-A-L. Isn't that it? Balsa wood? Yeah, no, you nailed it. I'm just being an asshole. Okay, thank you. Okay, ballsack wood. Got you. Where do you... Uh, <laughs> But where, uh, what do you think Hockey got his guitars here? I don't know. Uh, the answer is working it, guitars are us. Working guitars are us. Muscle Shoals, Alabama. <laughs> <laughs> How does that sound? So Johnny B. Bad comes away with the win. He gets hit in the head by the Hockey Talk Man. Let's take a look at the replay once again. Conrad Thompson. Oh, the referee bump. Johnny B. Bad. Took almost as bad a bump as a referee, and now the ball sack wood is coming out. <laughs> Kablooey! I'll do the thinning around here, Baba Louie. Six, oh. six minutes wow. and 14 seconds. Um, a quarter star from okay. Mr. Whitehead in the Observer. All right. Quarter star. I think he should have given him a half a star here at least. I would have given him a half a star. We should mention this show drew a 3.6 rating. So 2.22 million homes were here. Uh, by comparison, a year prior it was a 3.3 rating, but it was the first Flair Vader match. So a stronger main event, even without Hogan. All right. It's time once again to go backstage. Your backstage pass is now available. That's right. It's the hotline. Press option two, and you can hear the honky talk man talk to Mike today. And he's agreeing with the honky talk man. Chris Cruz, again, looking as clueless as he can look. And there you see him. And you can be a part of this for only a buck 49 a minute. That's a buck 49 a minute. And uh, for the first minute, that is 99 cents each additional minute. But that's not the exciting thing about this segment. The exciting thing about this segment is. As we're going to go, I understand, backstage to where we're going to hear from the faces of fear. This should be exciting. Conrad Thompson, I got to say one thing. I'm tired of you calling me Brutus the fucking Barber Beefcake. You understand me? Look behind me to my left. Does that look like what you're going to look like at age 55? Huh? Is that it? Once you lose your hair? Absolutely, Conrad Thompson. Let me tell you this, before this is over, I'm going to cut your hair. I'm going to find you in Huntsville, Alabama and cut your hair is what I'm going to do. But now enough of my fucking talking because I'm not making any fucking sense and I never do. <laughs> Let's hear from the man to my left, the biggest guy in the room, my God, at 500 pounds. Let's hear from. What's he, what's he, is he either shark here or earthquake avalanche. or avalanche? avalanche? Avalanche. Avalanche. Okay. And I don't know about you, but, uh, Conrad, but every time avalanche talked, I never understood a word he said. Lots of screaming and spitting. A lot of screaming and spitting. So, uh, God, you, you know, something's fucked when Bruce, the barber beefcake is taking this much time to do a promo. So what do you think? Avalanche. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, 
Let me tell you something, Conrad Thompson and you, Tony Shivani. You think you've got the number one podcast on MLW Radio? Fuck it. I've got the number one podcast. Me and MSL. That's right. Mean Shitty Leader. That's what those three letters stand for. The Mean Shitty Leader of MLW Radio <laughs> and the best podcast. Because every time they come to me, as you can tell, I'm drunk on my ass. But I still do the podcast. Shivani may think he's funny. Shivani may say fuck more than anybody else. But me, when I do my podcast with MSL, the mean and shitty leader of MLW Radio, <laughs> I'm drunk. So if you want Kevin Sullivan drunk, if you want to hear me talk about the Red Sox, and I know they suck, tune in to my podcast. Right now I'm so drunk I can't even remember the name of it. But it's on MLW Radio <laughs> as well. Look in my eyes. Look in my eyes. And <laughs> oh god, you kept it going longer than I thought you would. <laughs> I ran out of steam there, man. Sorry, sorry, guys. I'm trying to live up to some shit here. I don't know if I can do it or not every week. Well, in fairness, when we recorded Halloween Havoc '95, it's like 1:30 in the morning <laughs> on a weeknight. Yeah, and they said, "Were you drunk?" And we said, "No, but I was diet coked out or Coke Zeroed out." I can tell you that. And, and here is classic WCW. It really is. Get ready. Get ready to give away the finish. Three, two, one. And there it is. Harlem Eat with Sensua Sherry. Get rid of the Chiron. Get rid of the Chiron. You can hear him screaming in the background. Oh, God. How about that? What's great is we see, you know, <laughs> Harlem Heat on the phone here, the old school flip phone. And they're, right. of course, we're going to find out later. They're finishing their deal with Sherry. Right. As they walk to the ring, because this is very much a, who is Sherry going to manage? And this maybe has been overlooked a little bit, but Sherry actually worked as Steve Austin's manager at a television taping. And the thought was going to be, they were going to turn in him into like a Ric Flair style character with Sherry as the manager that didn't work out. Of course. And instead they call an audible and they say, they're going to put them, put her with the Harlem heat here instead. But there is a little bit of a tease issue with the Nasty Boys, issue with the Harlem Heat. And I found it hilarious on commentary here that you felt the need to explain the way brothers work. Do you remember this? Uh, no, I did not. He said something like, now these are real life brothers, like the Briscoes and the Andersons. I don't know why (laughs) I felt like maybe you were trying to say, not like black guys call each other brother or Hulk Hogan says brother. No, no, like real brothers, like the Briscoe brothers. <laughs> okay. Uh, wow. <laughs> that, <laughs> Meaning they that have the same me. mom I, brain. They have the same mother and father. They're, they're real brothers. Like the Briscoe real, brothers, brother. Right. Cause suckers got to know, right? <laughs> they do. Suckers do have to know. Oh, good God. These guys are going to go about 10 and a half minutes and, um, they're going to get one star in the observer. I know it's not popular, but I've always thought the nasty boys were underrated. It feels like they're universally panned, but we covered their Halloween havoc match against the Steiners. And that's still a guilty pleasure of mine, man. That thing's fun. When they beat the shit out of cactus Jack on that one pay-per-view, that was awesome. Right. They're entertaining, you know, for what they are. Not only that, they take better bumps 
than people give them credit for. And we're going to see some examples here taking pretty good bumps. And we're also going to see some examples here why Booker, Booker T became really one of the top uh, single stars uh, in WCW because he was so athletic and, and so great. <laughs> There's Stevie Ray getting on the same guy up front. Man, that guy in the front row must think he's a big star by now because everybody's been talking to him. Honky Tonk Man, Paul Orndorff, and now Suckers Guts to Know, Stevie Ray. He uh, He's over at the Jiffy Lube, let me just tell you. Is he really? When he's changing air filters tomorrow, that dude in the yeah. front row is going to tell everybody all about it. I don't <laughs> know what you did on Wednesday night, but let me tell you what I did. I got all up in uh, that Stevie Ray's face. That Suckers Guts to Know. And I he got kept flaps on me. my shoulders. I ain't an admiral, but I'm going to fly up there and whoop his ass. <laughs> All right. Uh, again, uh, I, I, I may have mentioned this on, on an earlier, uh, broadcast, uh, but I, I saw Brian Nobbs in Philadelphia recently. Uh, he's lost a lot of weight. He stopped drinking. Uh, he actually looks very odd because I remember Brian being so large and so big, but it's, it, it and I saw he and Jerry both, and it just seems to me that uh, his life's going in the right direction. I always had a lot of time for Brian. He was always a crazy guy. Well, look at this. Great bump by by Booker T. And this match has got one star, and the fans are getting into it like this. It may get, end up being one star, but I tell you, well, he missed, I think Stevie Ray fell down too soon. Uh, but I tell you, it's starting out quite well. But anyway, it's good to see Brian Nobbs, uh, you know, getting off uh, of alcohol, like he said, and uh, and getting his life straight. I guess we should talk Always. about the uh, the booking change here. This feels like a good time. Greg Gagne and, okay. Bill, and Bill Dundee were recently let go here. In your opinion, was Greg let go because of an issue with Hogan, something to do with that discrimination and breach of contract lawsuit with Charlie Norris, or what was the deal? No, I, I think uh, he was let go because that he and Eric did not see eye to eye. As a matter of fact, something happened, and it doesn't have to do with the Charlie Norris breach of contract, but uh, Greg Gagne, if memory serves me well, and I know I'm right, Greg Gagne was trying to do things on his own, was uh, trying to start his own book. His own promotion, you mean? His own promotion while being under the contract for WCW, which to me is like incredibly stupid. Well, it's worth mentioning that Greg was named in a lawsuit filed on November 7th. So about a week prior to this and the lawsuits okay. filed in Minneapolis. And of course, old Charlie Norris wants all kinds of money here, including punitive damages. He's a 31 year old guy who worked underneath and even on a pay-per-view that we've covered here on the show before. He's of Indian heritage and feels demeaned when they've asked him to do screams and dances and tomahawk chops and war hoops. And eventually he reluctantly agrees, but then is fired for having a bad attitude, being lazy and uncooperative. So he's offended that they've sent him to camp here. And now they have white guys trying to teach him how to quote unquote dance like an Indian. And uh, it didn't help anything that Greg starts dancing around and calling him big chief and saying, we need you to do promos saying you're going on the war path. Uh, he sues <laughs> saying, yeah, it's a little ridiculous. Uh, he, was this, making, it, he was making $800 a week, but supposedly was promised a bump for 1500, but never got it. Even after appearing on the pay-per-view. Wow. It, well, that, that had nothing to do with Greg being fired. 
but w- again, what what had to do, and 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 I know Eric can even. I don't know if he's talked about this when he had a podcast, but yeah, Gagne was trying to to go out and venture on his own while still drawing a paycheck from WCW, and that was a problem there. And of course, Gagne knew Eric very well from the days in Minneapolis. You know, talking about the Charlie Norris thing, wouldn't that lawsuit set a bit of a precedent in wrestling? Because Indian characters had been around for a long time, and I guess you know any sort of ethnic character like this if you're enhancing a racial stereotype it feels like this would set a precedent would it not yeah it would uh the difference is you know charlie norris couldn't work a fucking lick and guys like wahoo mcdaniel and uh chief Drake, jay strongbow could is it, did be- I answer is, that it correctly? is it because they did a better tomahawk chop you think did a better war dance oh yeah Uh, Well, Turner had a reputation within the biz for being easy money, right? I mean, the idea is WCW would rather settle than go to court. So just sue and you'll get something, right? Yeah, I did. I told you about that. I got $1,500. And it only took me uh, threatening a lawsuit, and they stayed out of it. And here we got some pretty good heat on the outside. uh, Again, uh, we took a break in the middle of this this and go back and I'll watch it. Uh, You know what I said during the break? What's that? I said, the tape machines are rolling. Don't worry. The tape machines are rolling. Uh, one of the lines that I use so many times. And of course there are no more tape machines anymore. As you know, that's not true. I'm rolling one right now. Oh, I'm talking about on TV. Isn't it all digital now? Yeah, of course. I'm yeah, digital uh, yeah, now right. as well. Right. But so. I bet some of our listeners like to roll something while they watch us. <laughs> I would imagine. So I, uh, uh, again, fans are getting into this a little bit. Uh, Harlem Heat doing a very good job of getting some heat. Boy, Stevie Ray doing some, and Booker T doing some great moves. I, I just, I don't get why this match gets a one star. Now, it's not a four or five star match, but. Uh, the nasty boys get a bad rap, man. You know, lots yeah. of smart fans just are not nasty boy guys. Yeah, look look at the sell job that, that Nobbs is doing here. Not only that, Nobbs moving himself over, small thing, moving himself over, great, you know, teammate. Because it's all teamwork, and I'm not talking about only with your partner. I'm talking about with the guys on the other side. It's great teamwork. Tag is made, and here comes Nobbs. He completely missed that one. But as the Nasty Boys have been known to do, if you fuck up a move, just come away with a clothesline, and that should take care of it. And there's probably another one coming up. No, it's a back elbow. You remember the brief, the brief manager for the Harlem Heat here, the Johnny Attitude character. The Johnny Attitude, I don't remember him at all. He was uh, with Harlem Heat for a hiccup. He was. Or the Johnny Attitude was with Harlem Heat. That's that's Uh-oh. the uh, that's the rumor and innuendo. Okay, Stevie Ray trying to make that phone call, and the phone is broken, and back to the ring we go. How long was this match anyway? 10 uh, minutes. Yeah. 10 minutes and change. Okay. Well, it, it's kind of broken down here a little bit. Well, eventually, of course, there's going to be a big reveal and you and, uh, Heenan are going to pretend to be astonished. Oh, uh, well, we were pretty good at that. So maybe I should try to be astonished here as well. When the reveal is that I don't know why she, Oh my God. It is sister, sensational, scary, Sherry. 
bless her heart, she was really a hell of a performer. Every time I see her, I think of the same thing. Gone too soon. Tragic loss. Girl out of control. But she could do a lot of things. How great would she have been with the the NXT kids? Yeah. As you can see, we completely have no idea what we're doing here, camera-wise. Where to go, what to do. We missed the finish. We tried to stay on a wide shot. We missed the one, two, three. We were on her. She runs around in her heels. And we don't know where to go. We have still... Just stay wide, guys. I can hear them in the truck right now. Just stay fucking wide because I have no idea. Okay, take this shot. Wow. So, the yeah, the finish was kind of screwed up. And maybe that's why it was a one star. But I thought it was a pretty good work rate heading up to that. I got to tell you, I liked Sherry with Harlem Heat. I thought it worked. I do, too. Sister Sherry. You got any good Sherry stories? No, none at all. I wish I did. I feel like Sherry, uh, was a hell of a drinker. She knew how to do shots with the boys. Oh yeah. And of course I think it was well-documented. She had a drug problem and, uh, she was also, I, I, let me tell you this about Sherry. Heenan was scared to death of her. Really? Yeah. He always thought that she would do something that would be off script to hurt somebody because he, he always thought that she was kind of a. And I guess this is an old, uh, an old term, but a loose cannon in the ring. And that if she was drugged up or if she was alcoholed up, that she would do something, uh, that wasn't good. So it's worth mentioning that, um, the fantastics had recently worked a television taping with Harlem heat. Do you remember why they didn't get a bigger shot here with the company at this point? Uh, the only thing I can think of is that, uh, they just didn't agree to uh, a deal with, uh, with Eric and the guys, I, I don't know why they wouldn't have gotten a bigger shot because we knew they could work. Right. It's interesting here. As we see this graphic for Starcade that Starcade's on a Tuesday, but it couldn't have been on a Sunday because Christmas was on a Sunday. What's the rationale behind a Tuesday pay-per-view that feels really odd now that we're kind of conditioned to them being on Sunday. Yeah. I, I think the reason they wanted it on Christmas week. They always thought the week between Christmas and New Year's was a good week for business. And they had a lot of, had a lot of uh, matinee shows around the, around the country during that time, thinking that most people were taking that week off. So they thought they would put it on that week sometime, and they'd get with the cable companies and decide this is the best day to have it. It's worth mentioning that at center stage at the end of October, Vader did a series of interviews talking about his Starcade main event with Hulk Hogan, which is the way Flair booked it. Then, of course, Hogan got involved, overruled it, and now Vader was no longer in the main event of Starcade. It was instead going to be Brutus the fucking Barber, fucking Barber Beefcake. Beefcake. So it should have been Vader and Hogan. Twas not. Hmm. Well, listen, uh, I had a feeling Hogan was afraid of Vader. And I say that not because he's scared of him, but he was probably afraid that Vader would do something to hurt him. Was Vader some, was stiff. He worked strong style. Uh, about 10 days prior to this in Springfield, Missouri, they were doing a house show and Vader's back went out just a few minutes into the match with the guardian angel, which is the name Ray trailer was working under here. Right. WCW even called an ambulance for him, but, uh, he wound up being okay and didn't even miss any shots. Do you remember Vader's back going out? Was that a common occurrence? This is the first time I remember reading about that. No, he, yeah, he had a bad back and and we knew that. 
And the reason he had a bad back because of, of the size that he was and all the crazy things that he would do. And we're going to see some of them in this match here. You know, I, I think I may be wrong here and I, and I may be way out of line and, and fans will scoff at this, but I think when it's all said and done, big van Vader is going to be one of the better working big mans ever. No, I don't think you're going out on a limb there. I think most people would yeah. have him on their short list. Yeah. He just did some great stuff. I saw on Twitter when, and you may have this question already queued up for later on. I saw on Twitter, someone had asked why, because the, the mask looked so good when we first saw Vader years ago. Remember that yeah. big mask? Okay. Why did we not have it later on? It's because he was tired of traveling with it. He was tired of carrying it around and because he had to check it in and it was just, uh, and he, and the, uh, this was the, uh, the compromise. So just wear your mask, uh, forget about your big hood. Uh, and I liked the hood too. It was, it was pretty cool, but he was just tired of traveling with it. And that's why we stopped. That's why he stopped. You know, we've talked a little bit briefly about the really awful, uh, WCW theme music that, that existed around this time. And, and we've talked about the, the natural theme song here. Do you remember any of that off the top of your head? Yeah. Well, they call him the natural, natural, a natural as can be. Well, they call him the natural, natural. That's about all I know. You got the lyrics in front of you? No, I don't. But you may be able to throw it in your Google machine. But I found it funny because I got a call from a friend of ours this week. And I was watching this with the sound and told him what I was watching. And he was really particularly proud that he helped do Johnny B. Bad's theme music. Um, I don't know why anybody would want to take credit for that, but he was particularly <laughs> proud. You know, we're talking over a, a pretty damn good match here. And I loved the, the heat that Dustin was able to get here because Vader was really bullying, getting some really stiff shots in the camera. Sweat was flying off and hitting the camera. I mean, those, those were loud, audible spikes. And then Dustin fires up, takes him down and just unloads in a way we had never really seen Vader handled before. Absolutely. Uh, and Dustin was a, a fine performer. Vader could take some incredible bumps as a big guy. This to me was, I don't know if by far is the right word, but yeah, let's say by far the best match on the card. Uh, the observer would agree. They said easily the best match on the show. He gave it yep. three and a half stars and, uh, the readers, uh, in the reader poll agreed. They gave it best match of the night overwhelmingly. Yeah. Two guys who can work. Vader did some great job, uh, a great job of bumping for Dustin, selling his shots. Uh, and it was a good finish. Dustin had great timing, like his father. Uh, do you who think had tremendous that, timing. Do you think that Vader gave Dustin so much out of respect to his dad? Or no, just... I think Vader gave I think Vader gave him so much because he knew it would be a good match. I don't uh respect to Dustin may have come into to play here, but you know, Leon was uh Leon had a, had a good head on his shoulders as far as what worked and what didn't, I thought. I, I know that a lot of people didn't like Leon. He was uh, temperamental. He had quite a temper. But, you know, look, look, at Lee, look at this here. I mean, look at Dustin beating Leon down to the point to where they got to pull Dustin off of Big Van Vader. That's great shit, man. What's great to think about to me is that Dustin is still performing at a high level you know, with the number one company on TV regularly, 23 years after what we're watching right now. Yeah. Fans are really getting into it. Oh, look, look at that suplex of big van Vader. 
And so Vader now, and you know, uh, again, with the back problem, some of this may be shoots, a shoot right here with his back problem, but he's going to get back right back in the ring. Now, I know I've mentioned this. I saw a Vader at uh, WrestleCon uh, last March, uh, and his health had been declining. I don't know how he is right now, but I had a chance to talk to him. Uh, uh, again, uh, he was a polarizing figure in, in, uh, in wrestling, but, uh, I always had a tremendous amount of respect for him. Rick Flair did as well. Uh, we should mention here that Rick is clearly in control of creative and, uh, he holds a meeting with all the wrestlers at Disney around the same time to say that Eric Bischoff is in charge of everything administratively. But if there's any problem with that, go to Eric. But if it has anything to do with the wrestling product, then if you have a question or a concern, you come to Ric Flair and, uh, he's maintaining that despite what you may have heard, he's happy. So he's not upset that he's not on TV at this point, which of course he was sure. Um, but Rick was a good soldier at the time, or at least that's what the report was. Did you talk to Rick about the way he felt about this during this time when he loses a retirement match, he didn't really want to have. Well, Rick, Rick gave me the company line too, that he was happy. Uh, but look, Rick was unhappy about being off TV. I knew that not only that, I, you know, Rick wasn't a good booker. Look at this. Oh, great, great false finish right there. Rick, and I say Rick was not a good booker because Rick didn't have his heart into it. He was a very creative guy. We all know that. You can't be a nature boy, Ric Flair, do the things that you have done in wrestling and be able to uh, work a match like he worked without being creative. But I, I think that he just didn't want the office life and the responsibility of the office life. Does that make sense to you? Yeah. You know him as well. No, he doesn't want to sit still. He wants to be no, doing his thing. That's right. He doesn't have to worry about everybody else. He wants to worry about his stuff. Exactly. He didn't want to sit still. And that was, and, and even the 30 for 30 that came out, even pretty much, you know, uh, talked about that as well. Uh, that Ric Flair never did want to sit still. By and the way, to be I, the book, you would have to, I've got to mention, you know, the big takeaway that everybody was talking about, at least on our channel from that 30 for 30 was when you said he was very erect. <laughs> <laughs> I know. <laughs> and there was a couple of my friends said, isn't it great? That the whole flare thing and the first time they talk about his penis, really, they talk to you about his penis. I said, thank you very much. Uh, so, yeah, that was, uh, I, I was very honored to be a part of that. Whoa, look at this. Some great bumps here. Uh-oh, pushing the referee down. Now you're thinking there's a false finish here, right? Sure. Because of, But no, it's just really so that Dustin will be thrown over the top. It could have been a disqualification. What a move too! you know, that's Absolutely. A, that Dustin is not a little guy and to just be thrown over the top like that down to the floor. That's at a time when guys weren't doing stuff like that. No. And that's very dangerous going feet first, blow out a knee like that, break an ankle. And here's Harley race. Harley still looked pretty good here. You know, this is years after he wrestled. He still looked very good here. I thought, do you think, uh, Harley race reminds you of the kid from bad Santa? <laughs> I don't, I wonder if right now, if he's asking Dustin Rhodes, if he wants him to make him a sandwich, <laughs> made some sandwiches, Dustin. <laughs> oh, look at this. Oh man. See, that's, that stuff, that stuff by Vader looked good because it was stiff. 
Yeah, it looked good because it was fucking real. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. Speaking of real, around this same time, Cactus Jack and Sabu worked an indie show somewhere in Pennsylvania, and Sabu cracked his ribs on a guardrail, but then broke a beer bottle over Cactus Jack's head, but it took seven tries to break the fucking bottle. Does that surprise you at all? <laughs> no. What, that it took seven tries or they would keep going back at it? <laughs> Why would you keep doing that? It's an indie show. What are you doing? <laughs> exactly. <laughs> yeah, oh my God. Yeah, all that. And what do you think their payoff was that night? I mean, listen, it was probably decent, I guess. But the point is, why wouldn't yeah. you do it with sugar glass? The goal is to not really hurt. It needs to look like it hurts. Exactly. Exactly. Do the sugar glass. I don't get it. We should mention around this time, there was talk of uh, Wayne Bloom and Mike Enos coming in with a baseball player gimmick. Did you ever hear about that? I did not, thank God. What about Steve Kerr maybe coming in with a different type of uh, Skinner gimmick, a new name, but essentially the same deal, like a Gator dude. Yeah, I heard, I heard about that, yeah. And, of course, Steve Regal was tagging with Jean-Paul Levesque, uh, doing oh. some heel tags. What talent you had on the same team there, and, of course, he didn't know what to fucking do with it. Yeah, I want to say something about Jean-Paul Levesque, and I know what you're going to say. I know what you're going to say, motherfucker. Oh, yeah. Let's go. <laughs> I'm used to Bruce doing it every Friday. Do it every Monday. Come on, let's do it. Let's go. Let's book in my kiss ass with Triple H. Here we go. Okay. Uh, Dave Pinter, uh, as you probably know, before he became a ring announcer, also you know was kind of like the agent for all of the bunch of guys. And he introduced me to John Paul Levesque at center stage. And I remember us sitting down there and talk. Look at this move. Sitting down and talking to John Paul Levesque, thinking, he is one of the nicest guys I've ever met. Oh, my God. <laughs> so okay and, and he's he's damn good looking too isn't he tony i mean yeah, tell he's everybody da- how attractive he is he's damn good looking but he won't return my calls so he can go fuck himself <laughs> so hey <laughs> so now now we're slugging it back and forth look at vader rocking and dusting with the elbows and the fans you missed that blow the fans are getting into it man alive and randy anderson doing a great job as a referee reacting to this stuff in the quarter, this match is, and you and I are not giving it justice here talking about other stuff, but this match is tremendous. Absolutely tremendous. A couple of false finishes in the corner moments ago, dusting off the top. That's almost like the cane clothesline that we see these days. He goes to the top yeah. and does the short clothesline off the top. Right. Both back up. Give Vader a lot of credit here. Watch this move. Dustin will try to bull, I guess, try to bulldog him off, maybe, or DDT off him off, off the top. Fans responding to it. Oh, my goodness. Yeah, I'd see a move like that, Conrad, and I think somebody's going to die sometime with moves like that. And a very close one, two, three. Bruce Richard has told us that uh, Vader was not the most hygienic dude. And he could be a right. little frothy. Right. Yes, he was. Uh, uh, absolutely. And uh, Andre the Giant was like that, too. Could be a little frothy. Uh, but uh, here we're going to see the finish. Boy, I think they really cracked heads there. Oh, man. Dustin taking a great bump. And that should be the one, two, three. 
That finishing move was a hell of a move. Yes, it was. What would you call that? Uh, I would call it a pancake. So a reverse Vader bomb. I don't know what talent you have in the ring right now. Dustin Rhodes, Vader, Harley race. Yep. Absolutely. And Randy Anderson referee. Uh, absolutely. But now, all right. Did I just see a black cameraman? I didn't know you guys had a black cameraman. I oh, didn't yeah. think that, that was allowed. That was, no, stop it. That was Al. Uh, Al is there. You see him on the right. Al now has been working ever since WCW went down working for NFL films. Oh, awesome. Good for him. Yeah. He's great. Go. Al was one of the great guys, man. I loved Al and a great cameraman as well. I haven't seen him in years and here. Oh, hacksaw Jim Duggan, buddy. Come on fans for, you know, look, he wasn't a great. Okay. He was not a great worker at all, but fans responded to him. They responded to that USA stuff, man. Well, and he was fresh off WWF TV. These kids are yes, familiar right. with him. You know, he's been presented as a big star, so they're going to react to him like he's a big star. And they all watched that Coliseum video that was produced of him and loved it. And that had a big deal. That had a, a, I mean, I know I did. Yeah. It had a big impact on his career as well. That actually go down one of the better produced Coliseum videos of all time. I understand. You're welcome. Okay. So now, uh, Vader leaves. And we're going to take another break. Hacksaw Jim Duggan. Oh, boy. Still to come. <laughs> oh, oh, brother. <laughs> I have no idea what to say. We know something that. mean, Gene. We're talking all about pasta mania. It might even get to do butt stuff. Call and check out my thermos. I might put the thermos on the line, brother. It's the biggest python of all. Get your parents' permission or who gives a fuck. Call us right now, dude. 1-900-909-9900. And I'm not done selling shit yet. Buy the fucking t-shirt. Ah. Oh, very good. All right. Dun, 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 oh, dun, dun, we get to do it again. Here we go. No. One of these things is not, not like, like the, the other. other. <laughs> one of these things does not belong. Can you tell us which thing is not like the other? By the time Mean Gene finishes this song. Oh, what do you think this is? <laughs> Jesus. We know something, dude. I got the thermos on display because I know Tony Schiavone is going to be here. And we're talking about all the t-shirts over at LoisRules.com, man. I've been hanging and banging with Lolo trying to sell these t-shirts to pay for the fucking Schiavone wedding. Tony Schiavone didn't pull out of nothing in the 80s. That's right. He's got them five. Count them five. One, two, three, four, five kids, dude. This motherfucker got more carpet than anybody in the 80s, man. He was hanging and banging on Venice Beach. He was down in Chesapeake Bay. He was even in Chattanooga, because that's those little shit towns WCW ran, and he was laying the pipe, man. And now, we gotta pay for all these fucking kids to get married. So pick up a shirt, dude, at LoisRules.com, and Tony's gonna call you. All right, Hulk Hogan, I do understand that, but we want to talk to Sting. Sting, and my favorite shirt is Tommy Young. That's right, Tommy Young. <laughs> Tommy Young's my favorite shirt. I also like NFL... What is it? TG. NFL. No fucks left TG. to give. That's right. No fucks left to give. Right, Hulk? Because we have no fucks left to give. And you want, want to know what's going to happen? This match is going to be so fucking bad. We're going to take this fucking idiot to my left and get fucking rid of him before the match even gets underway. Oh. Suckers got Look to know that this is the fucking worst promo we've ever done. Hulk Hogan has taken over the whole goddamn babyface locker room. Everybody's red and yellow, whether we like it or not. Woo! 
All right. Absolutely. Oh, God. Well, you know what? This is your typical Hulk Hogan interview. What you going to do, right? Suckers got to know married for life, finger licking, cat bath, Tommy Young, low key, big hog, hard to beat. Hypothetically, pick them up right now at LoisRules.com and Tony Schiavone will call and thank you for your business, brother. Absolutely. All right. So that's the main event coming up that we are certainly looking forward to it here on the clash of the champions. You know, I looked up uh, Conrad on, uh, Wikipedia. Oh, well that's, uh, that, that's a good authority. You know, I mean, if it's on Wikipedia, it's legit. Uh, according to Wikipedia, there have been 35 clash of the champions, 35. And I can't remember that many of them. Well, uh, Hulk Hogan has done a promo for the entire length of one here. <laughs> That's right. Four score and seven years ago, dude, Arn Anderson was a big deal in this company, but now I'm here. So fuck him. We got Dave Sullivan in the building. You know what I'm talking about, dude, Bobby Eaton. What the fuck did he ever do? Dave Sullivan's here, brother. All right. Next clusterfuck match of the year coming up on clash. Of the champions. 35 clash of the champions. And there's only a handful of them I can remember. Well, a handful. Kids, get your parents' permission or don't. Fuck them. 1-900-909-9900. Hear all about Hulk Hogan's thermos. Who's he going to go over next week? Who's he been burying? And will Booker T drop a bad word? Probably not because we've got the, t- the sound turned down. You'll have to wait till spring stampede. And there's Chris Cruz. He's going to correct all your grammar on Twitter because that's all the fuck he does with his life these days. 909-9900, get your kids permission because your parents are fucking idiots for letting you watch this. Ask the kids and call now. Hey, you're stealing my gimmick. Do you know what Chris Cruz is doing now by any chance? Yeah, he's on Twitter. He's a good guy. He's doing all kinds of radio. Um, he interacts okay. about wrestling stuff all the time. I'm just busting balls. Okay. Don't, I, I haven't talked to Chris in a long time. I can tell you that uh, when I came back WCW, he was doing worldwide with uh, Terry Funk at that time. And I came back and they moved him off worldwide and he jumped into Kevin Sullivan shit. And I was in, in the room that night when that happened. Process this two uh, years from this match, he's going to be working Bret Hart and Bret Hart's return match in Madison square garden, a sold out Madison square garden. Second from the top, one of the top four players in the company. And here you guys have got him in front of 3,200 fans laying down for hacksaw Jim Duggan. Yeah. Well, he didn't lay down for him here, did he? No, no, I know. But he did before. And I guess we should mention right. that he was actually promised a return match here that he was going to win the belt back. But of course, as we know, that doesn't happen. Um, he was promised that he would win it back here at the bash or for do, after doing the job at the bash, he would win it back at the clash or the next pay-per-view, but that was overruled surprise, surprise by Hulk Hogan. And so as a consolation prize, they say, okay, we're going to make you the next Ric Flair and we're going to put Sherry with you. So you'll start copying some of Flair's mannerisms. And when he comes back next year, you guys will have a pay-per-view feud. And then they say, no, brother, I think she'd be good with the Harlem heat. So here's Steve Austin figuring out that WCW has no fucking idea what to do. Well, and that's all good news for Vince because uh, again, many reasons why Vince won the war, but probably the main reason is the guy you're seeing on the floor right now. No doubt about it. This wins worst match. Um, Austin blew his knee out two days prior to this in Sarasota, and he's limping noticeably. Uh, so there are lots of 
critics wondering, hey, is this a legit injury or is he just saying, fuck this, which I guess I can't really blame him for. These right. guys, once the bell actually rings, are only going to go 58 seconds. It gets a dud rating. There's a run in, which you probably know what's coming based on what we just saw. How was Duggan uh, liked in the locker room? How What was he like in the locker room? I mean, I feel like he would have been one of the more well-liked guys. I can't imagine a lot yes. of people having a problem with Hacksaw. Yeah, everybody likes Hacksaw Jim Duggan. He's just a, a friendly, uh, you know, very uh, gregarious guy. That's the word of the day. We may put that on a shirt because, you know, you're usually talking about glass bottom boat rides and you just broke out gregarious. I like it. And Austin does a bump and goes, I'm curious here to me, Austin with Sherry, a flair gimmick wrestling against flair to me sounded like money. Are you saying that Hulk Hulk Hogan kiboshed it? Yeah. You got that on good authority? Well, that's what the observer says. So it's gotta be true, oh, right? Yeah. Well, yeah. Next to Wikipedia, the observer is the authority. It's worth mentioning, um, that WRAL and Raleigh was reporting that a lot of fans planned to boycott Starcade because flair was forced to retire and interest in the South is dwindling and dwindling a little bit to the point that they even canceled the traditional Thanksgiving card at the Omni in Atlanta because nobody's buying tickets. Right. If they were, we were doing to the South, what NASCAR is doing to the South now. Trying to alienating it, the South. Right. Yeah. We should, uh, we should so, mention around this same time, Beavis and Butthead, which is a really popular TV show at the time on MTV, uh, was doing a deal on Hulk Hogan where they were watching him on TV and his theme song was playing and they were making fun of him taking steroids, which obviously this is, you know, still the steroid trials fresh on everybody's mind. Would that be something that would rub Hogan the wrong way? Would he have been sensitive to being kind of spoofed on Beavis and Butthead? Yeah, he would have been. And I don't blame him. Because he was a big star at that time, and you can't have, at least. You got to protect your shit. Yeah, right. Thank you. WCW sent out a major marketing survey asking a lot of questions about wrestling, ranging from what fans were interested in to what they think of Hulk Hogan. And then just list about every name of a wrestler in the U S that they're interested in. And they include randomly names like Jushin Liger, great Muda, Tommy rich, the road warriors, Jake Roberts, Sabu, and even Papa Shango. Uh, would these would have been, or Papa Shango, would, would this have been, um, a survey that would have been an idea of Eric Bischoff or someone else in the company. Do you think? No, it would have been Eric Bischoff's idea. Eric was big into stuff like that. Eric had focus groups and I went to a number of those focus groups and kind of sat behind the wall, listening to what they had to say. So he was very big into that. And Turner was always willing to even Bill Shaw said this. He said, if you got an idea for a focus group, Turner will shell out all kinds of, of money for it. So, uh, now, when, when Mr. T walks out here with this garb on, I remember going to Heenan saying, Bobby, what do you think about this? And Bobby wouldn't even comment on it. Although he did say at the end, is that a zebra? Because that hat was just freaking hilarious. Isn't there some sort of, um, it's like a Christmas song or something like in mama in her kerchief. It feels like, uh, him wearing <laughs> and this Mr. Hat T and his hat. Yeah. It's a little weird. 
the, the introduction here is, I guess what cracked me up the most, because you guys paid a small fortune to have Mr. T introduced very formally as the baddest dude in the ring. <laughs> really? I, you know, uh, I, I think that was probably Michael Buffer freestyling. He read it off a card or it looked like he was Yeah, well, a card that he wrote. Well, it's amazing to me. I mean, cause I pity the fool that paid for this shit. Like who thought <laughs> Mr. T was real. I mean, and think about how Mr. T feels. He first gets invited into wrestling. He's doing like Saturday night live and he's with the Rockets and, um, Liberace and he's in Madison square garden. And now he's in goddamn Jacksonville, Florida in front of 3,200 people with Dave fucking Sullivan. Yeah. Well, he's getting a payday, right? Probably getting a pretty good one. He's probably getting paid more than I am at that night. Probably not more than Michael buffer, but probably more than I am. Oh, he was making more than buffer. He had to be. What was his, uh, his, um, his one eight hundred, his toll free number. Do you remember his collect? Was that one eight hundred call ATT? No, it's uh, what uh, Mister T? Yeah, wasn't that one eight hundred collect? That man, man. Yeah. So, um, of all of Brutus the fucking barber's gimmicks, which one was your favorite, and why is it the butcher? No, it wasn't the butcher. My favorite was always uh, Zodiac. You liked it better than Brutus the fucking barber? Yeah, I, I like I like Zodiac. I I thought. I thought that was the, I thought that was a modern day missing link. You know, what's amazing to me is it's like Hulk Hogan has a switch. He flips. Yeah. And it's like, he just goes from normal to, okay, let's get fired up. And you see it whenever interviews start and when he starts coming out to the, to the ring, like I've always been fascinated, like what he probably walks and talks like backstage right before he walks through the curtain, because when he walks through the curtain, he's like turned all the way up to a 10. Yeah. I, I, I remember one time this was my WWF days and, you know, we used to go out and do a superstar and challenge and superstar would be three weeks worth of TV that we would do. And they would go out and they would see, you know, a lot of enhancement matches, not many main events, a couple of interviews that Gene Oakland would do, but Hulk Hogan was always promised as in the main event. And it was a long night. And, uh, we were at the gorilla position and Hogan was just standing back there and the fans had been waiting for so long. And they, we, you know, uh, gorilla said, you know, ring the bell, uh, as he would say from the gorilla position. And, uh, they announced, uh, Hulk Hogan and somebody pulled back the curtain and gorilla said, your majesty, <laughs> everyone awaits. And Hulk Hogan was just standing there nonchalant. And you're, you're right. As soon as he walked through the curtain, he started doing that you know, flip of the hand with the ear and just absolutely turned it on. So I remember thinking and remember the moment between Hulk Hogan standing behind the curtain and Hulk Hogan stepping through the curtain, how different that was. It's amazing that he can just turn it on like that. And I mean, he is the reason I'm a wrestling fan. I know we have a lot of fun with the Hulkster on the show, but I don't know that I would have gotten into wrestling as a kid if it weren't for Hulk Hogan. I can't even put my yeah. finger on exactly what it was, but I mean, every time he was on TV, it was appointment television in my house. And he's, of course, working here with the head booker uh, of all the phenomenal NWO heat, Kevin Sullivan. But here, uh, we're being treated to some really not great highlight real shit for WCW. And I want you to press play in one, two, three, now. Yeah, Sullivan came up with some really good stuff. Uh, you know, I, I think something you need to say here about what Hogan said 
on Ric Flair's 30 for 30. And I know I had a lot of uh, friends of mine comment about that, about Hogan saying some great things about the nature boy Ric Flair and how he could work. And uh, I think that was kind of a glimpse, in, a glimpse into a, the kind of guy that Hogan really was. And I know he had a big ego, and I know he did a lot of things to protect himself, and why not? But, uh, again, going back to what you had to say, uh, I have a lot of time for Hulk Hogan. Oh, and I have a lot of time for Brutus, the barber, beefcake, the butcher, coming in on his friend here, Conrad. Oh, my God. Oh, and Mr. T has to push him back. Life imitates art. Have you seen these guys are feuding in real life these days? Brutus, the fucking barber, beefcake, and the immortal Hulk Hogan on Twitter? No. Is it a shoot or are they just working here? Well, we'll find out. You know, Brutus is trying to strut and cut and promote his new book. And uh, I highly recommend it because I would love to know how you feel 300 pages with uh, coattail riding and weed carrying. But he's going to find a way. Brother. Yeah. Uh, so they're just doing something for the book is what they're doing. Well, I don't know Basically. that to be sure. I mean, Hogan doesn't really get along with anybody from the past, right? I mean, it feels like he's sort of. Anybody who he felt like was a hanger on or whatever, he sort of kicked to the curb is from my understanding. Okay. Uh, well, you know, more, you know, more about it than I do. Here's the, it was the greatest move of the match, getting rid of, getting rid of Evad here. And they finally thought, you know, uh, we need to get this guy out of here. We'll make it three on two. We don't give a shit. Go, go, go. These guys are going to go, um, 11 minutes and seven seconds. The observer is going to give them a start in a quarter. They say it has good heat, but an incoherent muddled up match. So the fans are into it at least for a little while here. Yeah. The fans are into it for a couple of things. Well, number one, Hogan, uh, and number two, Hogan, and, and then number three sting probably because they are big stars, but i you know, I've. I often thought, and I know uh, John Tent is no longer with us. I was often amazed about how a guy that size could work a match like this without without his heart exploding. Uh, now I I know Vader was a big guy too, but Vader just seemed to me to be in a little bit better physical shape than John Tenta was, uh, and it just it's amazing to me that he could just stay in the ring this, this long and do some things. How would you describe John Tenta's gear here? Well, it was black and blue because that's what the avalanche made you black and blue. Listen to you. <laughs> it's worth mentioning. WCW has officially fired Ricky steamboat around the same time. His contract was supposed to expire at the end of the year. Uh, but instead they just go ahead and cut ties with him sooner because he suffered an injury, which is career threatening. So. Take you out to past year, put one behind the ear. Thanks for playing. Hmm. So instead of him, we got Brutus, the fucking barber beefcake in our main event, right? Instead of a guy like Ricky Steamboat. Yep. No Bobby Eaton All right. on this show. No, no, no Arn Anderson. Uh, oh. <laughs> Mr. T, good on that three count there, isn't he? Mr. T is a referee uh, on a scale of one to 10. 10 being Tommy. Tommy Young, okay. where, where, where would you rank Mr. T? Uh, he would be a minus quarter star. I love you for that. While we're, uh, <laughs> suffering through this match at this uh, time, you know, WCW of course is being sued by Charlie Norris, but they're also being sued by Ranger Ross for racial discrimination, Missy Hyatt for wow. sexual discrimination. And of course, Rick rude for his career ending injury that happened uh, in uh, Japan against sting. Let's talk about Missy Hyatt's lawsuit. This happened 
uh, just about a month before this, it was filed. It's a 20 page lawsuit uh, filed in Atlanta where she sues WCW, TBS, Bob Dew, and Eric Bischoff specifically. She says that she was hired in March of 89 to a two year deal for 50 grand each. The first year renewed uh, in March of 91. Uh, so from 91 and 92, she made 65,000 and then 75 grand in 93. And part of the deal is she's supposed to participate in her merchandise sales and whatever proceeds is generated from her contributions on the hotline. Anyway, her claim is that she was forced to work in a hostile work environment with sexual harassment, sexual discrimination and retaliation. She specifically named Ric Flair, Jim Ross, Don Sandifer, Eric Bischoff, Bob Dew, Mike Graham, Greg Gagne, Ole Anderson, Gene Okerlund, Bill Tinsley, and Craig Leathers for things ranging from grabbing her breasts to continually asking her out for dates or sexual favors to making unwanted sexual advances to threatening or intimidation. And also noted a full color photo of her from Starcade 93, where her breast popped out of her dress and was displayed for the entire wrestling office to see. Uh, she's uncomfortable with all this tells Bischoff and she says he does nothing. So she goes over his head to Bob do. Of course, when Eric finds out he fires her. So she's suing for that, but also wage discrimination saying that uh, she was paid substantially less than other people who did the same amount of work. And they could, they had, uh, inflicted emotional distress and assault and battery and a breach of contract because she was never paid for her merchandise or her hotlines. She says they misrepresented her earnings. And then she goes to far as to say torturous interference with property as to defend at Bischoff, because apparently Bischoff said he wasn't going to pay her unless she signed off some belongings like titles to three expensive vehicles, which I presume is Eric looking out for his boy, Jason Hervey after a nasty breakup. So she's looking for a bunch of cash, uh, specifically $10,000 per count, uh, plus a big lump sum. Does this send shockwaves through the company when you use words like sexual harassment and you name big stars like Mean Gene and Eric Bischoff and Ric Flair? Uh, for us in the office, it sends more of a shockwave through the company when they use names like uh, Neil Pruitt and Bill Tinsley, who would have why she named those two guys. I'll never know. Two of the uh, two of the greatest guys and hardest working guys I know. You said Neil Pruitt. You mean Craig Leathers? Sorry, Craig Leathers. Did I say Neil Pruitt? Sorry. Yeah. Uh, but Bill Tinsley? God, Bill Tinsley was just one of the nicest guys and just a very quiet, uh, just, I don't know. Hypothetically, what, you know, what, what would Mean Gene's uh, pickup line sound like? Well, I want to tell you, honey, go back to our apartment and I'll let you dial my 1-900-909-9900. Don't need your parents' permission. Cause I'm going to go in head first and call <laughs> sting is uh, getting the hot tag here and uh, oh, putting in God. work. Oh, just so much you can do with avalanche, you know? Well, and you know, a lot you can do with sting because even though Kevin Sullivan's yeah. not a very tall guy, uh, that's right. a big, thick, sti- uh, th- thick dude right here. Yeah, absolutely. It is. Sullivan, one of his patented moves, jumping up and just jumping right on your midsection or your sternum. Hogan too close. Pull, I, I'm, you know, I vaguely remember the Missy Hyatt uh, lawsuit, but when you talk about Ranger Ross and you talk about Charlie Norris, you talk about Missy, it, it almost seems like we were uh, litigated into Chapter 11, doesn't it? Everybody wants a piece of the pie. 
including you. You got your $1,500, you motherfucker. Yeah, I did, but yeah, I wasn't even working with the company that time. $1,500. Come on. I was owed that. I was owed that. You and know, I wasn't you, harassed. You can save a lot more than that over at uh, savewithbruce.com. You know, Bruce and I can help you get a great deal on a home loan, whether you're looking to buy a new home or just get a cheaper mortgage, maybe get rid of your credit card debt. Skip a couple of house payments during the holidays. We can hook you up right now over at savewithbruce.com. NMLS number 65084, Equal Housing Lender, Real Tide. Wow. Has this, uh, has this, uh, this episode of What Happened When got that shitty where you had to break out into a commercial in the middle of it? I do commercials in every show, dude. What the fuck? Oh, okay. Okay. <laughs> Didn't know. Hypothetically, if you had to take a leg drop from Earthquake or Yokozuna, who would you rather oh. take a leg drop from? Uh, I think Earthquake. Did Klondike Bill ever ride up and down the roads with uh, John Tenta? Feels like they would have been boys. No, it feels like they're both Canadians. Uh, feels like they w- they would have been boys at one time. Absolutely. Probably had a couple of great stories about the the ladies of the of the evening in Calgary, Alberta, Canada. If I could be serious for a minute, uh, did any of the boys when they would get to their hotel rooms and as Ric Flair says. In uh, his 30 for 30, these little shit towns, would they just open the yellow pages to escorts? Uh, oh yeah, absolutely. They would. Who was the biggest escort dollar? Uh, I, I don't know. Okay. Can you tell us a funny call? Cause I know you guys to entertain yourselves would call and make ridiculous demands that had to happen. Right. Uh, a call be made. And you know, a lot of times a call be made saying that they were the nature boy, Ric Flair. Well, of course, uh, yeah, of course. Even though they weren't the Nature Boy Ric Flair, and would you come to Ric Flair's room and do you know who he is? He's the World Heavyweight Champion, and he is—he'll uh, meet you at the door. He will be undressed, completely undressed. Uh, when you see him, you can't put over the fact that his dick is like you know as big as a baby's arm, and things like that. And so, Mister T stops the megaphone from being used, and counts the three. Hogan gets the pin. Over Kevin Sullivan. Kevin picks up the megaphone though and clocks Mr. T. Down he goes. Avalanche is here, getting the better of Sting. And now the Butcher is going to overwhelm Hulk Hogan, brother. And the Butcher is going to put a sleeper hold on Hulk Hogan. And we <laughs> earthquake jumping up and down. That's the earthquake. Right before he puts the earthquake. Ooh. The avalanche. That's the avalanche. Oh, okay. Whatever. Uh, and, uh, do you see where Sting's jaw was when that avalanche hit? It was in the Klondike position. Whew. Yikes. Hypothetically speaking, did you paint Hogan's face this night or who do you think did? Uh, no, I have a feeling that, uh, I got a feeling Kevin Sullivan may have done that. Sullivan was really big into doing shit like that. You know, he would like paint black marks on his head and. Uh, and now we come to the part to where we're really concerned about the condition of Hulk Hogan, because you know, here guys that the sleeper hold, when it's put on is legitimate on is legitimate. And it could cut off the oxygen to his brain. And, uh, we don't want, so what do we do? We bring out Brad Armstrong and, uh, Brian and his brother. Yeah. So that's going to help. One gets tied to the tree of woe and Hogan's out. The sleeper is on, and now we're all concerned about it. Here's a great question. Stink. What, what, where are all the other baby faces? Like, isn't Hacksaw yeah. Jim Duggan his friend? Why isn't he out here? I, exactly. Where's Hacksaw? Uh, we send in what, uh, stars and stripes. 
Uh, they get glommed. And I remember saying in the course of this, all right, we've had enough. Where's security? <laughs> well, here they come, and you can see the cops. They're, they're going to stop right there. We ain't getting nowhere near this shit, man. And Chuck Tashe, our trainer, has come in as well. We're all concerned about Hogan because he's been in the sleeper, and they finally get him to break it. And that guy just lightly pulls his wrist away, and he breaks it. Right. And, of course, That's they're right. saying that, you know, this, there's possible brain damage here. This move has been banned by the LAPD. They can't use it there. It's been on for four or five minutes. He can have permanent damage. Hmm. So now again, they walk out losing the match, but knowing they have won because they think they have put the end to Hulkamania. I want to remind everybody we're about five weeks prior to Starcade, which is based on what we believed. The biggest show of the year for WCW. And the main event is going to be Hulk Hogan at the butcher. And it's based on this angle where he put him in a sleeper hold. This is the big build for the biggest pay-per-view of the year for WCW in 1994. So what is that telling you? It's telling you two things. Number one, Hogan was getting his way. hundred percent. With his friends. Yep. And it was also telling you that we really didn't have anybody to feed Hulk Hogan, to feed to Hulk Hogan. Did we, I mean, I, I, I'm not defending Brutus as the show comes to an end. Thank God. I'm not defending Brutus, the barber beefcake here, but who can you put in there to go against Hogan? You gotta, you gotta find somebody. You gotta come up with somebody. Flair's had a retirement match, right? Right. Well, Tony, let's go to I mean, Twitter. We, uh, we wanted to get some fans to ask you some questions, and we're going to do this every single week. Follow us on Twitter if you haven't already. At WHW Monday is where you'll be able to find it. And don't forget those hilarious videos, one for Starcade and one for Tony's birthday. It's available for you right now over at Facebook.com forward slash WHW Monday. Next week, of course, stay tuned. We've got World War III, the 20-year anniversary of the 1997 show. And then on Thanksgiving night, your new Thanksgiving tradition, it's Starcade 87. Tony, are you ready for some Clash of the Champions questions from Twitter? Absolutely. Let's do it. Uh, Adam wants to know, should WCW have developed a long-term feud with Vader and Dustin Rhodes after this match? I feel like it's very underrated. Adam, it's a great point, and I do agree. Something something could have come out of that instead of just a hot-shot, one-shot deal because that was that was good. That was great. I, I, I think so. John wants to know, did Honky Talk Man have a low-key big hog? From what I understand, he did not. Um... Andy wants to know, didn't Hogan bringing in all of his buddies and Brutus the fucking barber beefcake destroy morale in the WCW dressing room? I, I don't think it destroyed morale. I, I think that's uh, that's kind of a hard word to use, but it, it, didn't, it didn't help things, put it that way. Uh, did Tony produce the... Never mind, <laughs> let me skip that. Um, okay, shit. Skivo wants to know, does Sting know that everyone has red blood cells? Uh, he may not. <laughs> what kind of fucking question is that? Well, he used it in a promo. Uh, Green okay. Bastard wants to know, why was Dave Sullivan taken out of the main event so early? To put us out of our misery, right? Exactly. We, we, we talked about that earlier. The, the best move was Earthquake, Avalanche, the Shark, whomever, splashing on the arm to get him out of the match. 
In your, uh, Kyle wants to know, and in your opinion, did any wrestler have all the tools yet seem to always fail to be in the main event? Sort of like the Georgia Bulldogs. <laughs> Is this guy from Auburn? I don't know. His name's Kyle though. And it was a hell of a question and it got read on the okay. show. Okay. I, I don't know. I, uh, Kyle also sounds like a Florida Gator, by the way, that lost to South Carolina. Dustin Rhodes could have been a main event guy. Yeah. He could have been a main event guy. Uh, we've, it's well documented that Steve Austin was not, should have been on top and wasn't. We've talked about it during this show, right? Uh, Jeru wants to know, can we get a Candyman impression? A Candyman impression? Are you talking about the goddamn Candyman? Came running in the ring with his brother. He's going to throw candy out to all the fans. We're going to call him the goddamn Candyman. And not only that, we're going to put tights on him that look like peppermint stripes. So not only is he the goddamn Candyman, but when you look at him, you say to your wife, it's the goddamn Candyman. Green Bastard was the now. Did Mr. T have a deal in WCW around this time, or was it just uh, per appearance? It was per appearance. Freestyle, I guess. $10,000? Oh, no. He, I bet you he made 25000 Oh, my God. Oh, absolutely. Jason wants to know, did Tony ever call the Hulk Hogan hotline? No, <laughs> never did. My parents never let me. Um... PPP wants to know, does Evad Sullivan live in all our hearts? It doesn't live in mine. Nathaniel wants to know, what is Lois wearing right now? Uh, I haven't seen Lois in like three or four days, so I don't know. Tommy wants to know, if Tony was a member of the Dungeon of Doom, what would his gimmick be? Uh, my gimmick would have been uh, short round fat boy. Jeff wants to know why the hell did they book Dave Sullivan to get anywhere near the main event with Sting and Hogan? Uh, I don't fucking know that. That's that's the a question committee. we were asking. Yeah, the book. That's <laughs> booking. No, that's a question we were asking each other, leading all the way up to this one. Russell has a good question. Why was there no writing on Sullivan's face? No writing. You know, he used to draw like shit on his forehead. Yeah, I, I talked about the black stuff on. But he I, did. He didn't yeah, here. Do you know why? No, I don't. Um, Jeff wants to know: Did Tony Schiavone get as excited for Paul Roma as he did for Tom Zink? No, I. I Tom Zink uh, has a special place in my heart. Although I was very excited about Roma in many ways because I thought he was, as mentioned here earlier, a very underrated worker. Uh, Noble Savage says, I have read in the past the Nasty Boys were notorious ribbers and were always in uh, front whenever a fight broke out. Can you confirm any of these stories? Oh, yeah, they were. Uh, there, there a lot of, uh, they were big time ribbers. Uh, they loved to uh, fuck around with you. And uh, there was a, a shoot fight one time that broke out between the Nasty Boys and somebody else in the locker room. And I'm trying to put my brain around it one time, but it was, it was well-documented. Scott Hall had an issue with Jerry Sags and Scott Hall had an issue. Exactly. Yeah. Thank you. Um, what's Paul, the Saints fan wants to know what's your favorite Paul Roma match. My favorite Paul Roma match. Wow. Uh, 
I, I kind of liked, like we were talking about, I, there was a lot of the matches when uh, Paul Roma was back in the WWE. With uh, Hercules? Uh, yeah, with Hercules and those uh, that tag team they had back then. Well, there you go. Uh, I'm pretty fired up about uh, our next week's show because I enjoyed the cluster that was World War Three, especially when I imagine that we get to relive that cluster here on the show with you. 60 guys in three rings next week on the show. And then the week after that, your new Thanksgiving tradition, you're going to watch Starcade 87 with us. So if you wanted some Crockett, you wanted some old school Starcade, it doesn't get any better than that. Uh, so stay tuned. Follow us on Twitter. He is at Tony Schiavone 24. I am at Hey, Hey, it's Conrad. We are at WHW Monday. And of course, you've got to see this birthday video. I'm not overhyping it. Whenever I tell you, you got to go watch this. I'm usually right. Trust me on this. Go to facebook.com forward slash WHW Monday. Find the Tony birthday video. If you like it, throw us a like. If you don't like it, take a poop with your pants on. Tony, we're out of time. Uh, go ahead and uh, do what everybody's really here to see. Thank you very much, Conrad Thompson. Hi, everybody. Tony Schiavone. We're ready for the main event of the Clash of the Champions, and this is going to be, without a doubt, one of the biggest clusterfucks we've ever had in Jacksonville. In the ring right now is Colonel Robert Parker, along with Ming. Also heading to the ring is Ravishing Rick Rude. Also behind him is Stunning Steve Austin. Coming to the ring, the Nature Boy Rick Flair. Also behind him is Dave Silva. And if you look, Dave Silva is wearing brown trunks. There's a reason behind that, fans, so he doesn't shit himself when he gets body slammed by the Nature Boy Ric Flair. And also behind him, here comes Dave Sullivan. It's Evan coming to the ring. He jumps on the back of Dave Silva, who jumps on the back of Ric Flair, who jumps on the back of Ravishing Rick Rude. Stunning Steve Austin with a bad knee, lips around, and here comes Vader all the way down, bad back and all from the top rope, getting ready to execute the Vader bomb on 10 men in a stack, and we're out of time. This clusterfuck is over on WCW. What happened when? Monday on the MLW Radio Network. Hear more of Tony and that horse shit at MLW. One shot. Don't, oh, fucking never say never. It's one of those. I botched this. But go to MLW.tv, slapdick. Shivani thinks you're a good looking man. Well, he's nothing but a fat piece of shit. Because I know that we have hot tagged many, many girls. Yeah, let me tell you something. I'm tired of hot tagging. We're not hot tagging anymore. You and Shivani just go right ahead with your little love affair. Come on. Tomsy. WrestleMania weekend's biggest party is coming to Bourbon Street. Don't miss an all-inclusive all-night party Friday, April 6th. Hosted by Kevin Nash and over 20 other wrestling stars. Enjoy unlimited drinks all night long at the Bourbon Cowboy on Bourbon Street. Throw beads from the balcony. Drink and party with your favorite wrestling stars. Hurry. Limited quantities available. Purchase tickets now at PWRshow.com. That's PWRshow.com. Hey, everybody, I'm Sean Mooney, the MLW Event Center, and the world of MLW never stops. 
It's official. Wall of Mania tickets are on sale now at Ticketfly and MLWTickets.com. Experience the wildest night of the year in New Orleans live as Wall of Mania kicks off WrestleMania weekend on Thursday night, April 5th. Tickets start at $15. Get those tickets before they sell out at Ticketfly and MLWTickets.com. In our MLW Never Say Never update for the week, Sports Illustrated revealed that John Hennigan, the man formerly known as John Morrison, will team up with Shane Strickland in a no-DQ match on December 7th in Orlando. Their opponents, the king of the death match, Jimmy Havoc, and the enigmatic Darby Allen. Get your tickets now at MLWTickets.com. Meanwhile, over on This Week on MLW Radio, New York Times bestselling author Brian Shields enters the Rassel Rap Arena to discuss his latest project, Second Nature, the legacy of Ric Flair and the rise of Charlotte. Each and every Friday, check out something to wrestle with Bruce Pritchard on the latest episode, the one and only Brother Love looks back at the New Age Outlaws and their big run during the WWE Attitude Era. Marty and Sarah Love Wrestling drops Thursday with fallout from Power Struggle, some gearing up for Survivor Series, and Nathan from Nathan's Wrestling Review rents some time on the podcast for his exclusive AAW interviews. Also out now, Tony Schiavone and Conrad Thompson look at Wrestle War 92 on What Happened When. MLWVIP.com's MLW Radio Extra has Rich Bikini and MSL answering your questions and giving you an exclusive on the December 7th MLW Never Say Never show. Go VIP for just $1.99 to hear a ton of great premium podcasts from Kevin Sullivan and many, many others. Go to MLWVIP.com to learn more. Also, be sure to catch Primetime with me, Sean Mooney, as I get caught up with my longtime close personal friend, Mean Gene Okerlund. That's right, don't miss it. And be sure to get in on the hottest ticket in the Big Easy. Tickets for Wallamania 4 are now on sale at Ticketfly and MLWTickets.com. This event has sold out three years in a row, folks. Don't delay. Get your tickets now. And now it's time to get back to your favorite MLW radio podcast.